Let us pray. O Lord our God, we are so very thankful for your holy word that guides, strengthens, and enriches our spirit. Open our eyes that we may see your hand of intervention in the world around us. Open our ears that we may hear the depth of your love. Lord, stir up your spirit within us that we may be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Christ we pray, amen. How are we as believers of Christ supposed to respond when conflict surfaces in the church? As believers and followers of Jesus the Christ, we are in the world, but not of this world. We struggle against a cacophony of voices that perpetuate nothing less than a total surrender to the world's values. These values stand in opposition to the teachings of Christ and the commandments of God. The world values retaliation, and Christ calls us to forgive. Believers are called upon to exercise forgiveness and self-control, even when every fiber of our being desires otherwise. The world loves to accumulate material treasures, and Christ calls us to seek the kingdom of God first. As believers, we are members of the body of Christ. All members are created in the image of God, loved by Jesus, and possess a spiritual gift for the edification of the church. We cannot look at one another and say, I do not need you, be gone. Because the absence of their gift produces a gaping void in the transformation process of the church. We're designed to be interdependent and to care for one another with compassion and empathy. Over time, members will journey with one another through the challenges and triumphs of life. We celebrate weddings and baptisms and confirmations and births and ordinations. Together we uphold one another through the death of loved ones, illnesses, grief, loss, and human shortcomings. Ultimately, we come together to celebrate our united hope in Christ in our worship services. But what happens when the values of the world seep into the church? What happens when egos are bruised, trust is betrayed, anger turns to hatred, words become the weapons of choice, and us versus them tears at the fabric of our interconnectedness? What happens when we forget to live into the greatest of all commandments and strife? infiltrates the church. When one has been offended, the spirit grieves while the flesh screams out for justice. So before one picks up the phone to badmouth the offender, pray first. Scripture tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Pray for yourself, and if possible, at that moment,
pray for the offender. Pray for their eyes of understanding to be opened and their heart to be receptive of the hurt that you have experienced. Pray first. Then go to the offender and gently share your viewpoint in private. If the matter does not produce a positive outcome, bring one or two witnesses with you to confirm all that is said. This action is not intended to be a mob confrontation against the offender. The intent is to raise awareness in the heart and the spirit of the offender, who is a brother or sister in Christ. Listen carefully. It is vital for the one who was offended to remain prayerful to remain diligent in reflecting the love of God through the process. All of us have seen where the longer the offender takes to come to an understanding of the harm that was committed, the greater the need for the offended one to remain in the full embrace of the Lord. The offended one will need to fight spiritually against bitterness resentment, and a hard heart. Stay prayerful and stay in the embrace of the Lord. A closer look at the process allows us to notice the goal, and the goal is the conversion of the heart of the offender, to win back the person from the enemy's influence. How? Through love and forgiveness. The love of God that we express to one another fulfills all the laws because love will do no wrong to their neighbor. They will do no wrong to their neighbor, their brother, or their sister in Christ. That which is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. We are believers of Christ who do not work or craft a plan to harm one another. We do not establish or bless systems of harm against the children of God. Now, some individuals struggle to understand how love could be the pathway that leads to reconciliation. It's challenging because the unconditional love of God defies the reasonings of the human mind. God does not love everything we do. But the love of God is so intense that it is unrelenting. It never falters and never fails. God's grace is efficient. It is efficient and sufficient. And his mercy is new every morning that we rise. Now is the time to recommit ourselves to loving our neighbor. Now is the time to push against the norms of this world and reject any selfish nature that we might have within us. One of the greatest tragedies of humanity is crouching at the doorstep of the church, and it is the intentional withdrawal of loving our neighbor. We as believers of Christ must commit to loving our neighbor and to be a beacon of hope and light in this world. When we are filled with the love of God, it will constrain us from intentionally harming another person. 
Thomas Kempis, the author of The Imitation of Christ, wrote the following. Love is eager, sincere, and kind. It is glad and lovely. It is strong, patient, and faithful. Wise, long-suffering, and resolute. And it never seeks its own end. For where a person seeks their own end, then at once they fall out of love. Let us learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul and mind, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And while it may not happen in an instant, we will be diligent in living into it each and every day. So may these words be encouraging to your heart and brought back to your remembrance in your time of need or that of another person who crosses your path in need as well.